0: Our first scripture reading is from the book of Exodus, chapter 18, verses 13 through 18 and 24 and 25. The next day, Moses sat as judge for the people, while the people stood around him from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, "'What is this that you are doing for the people?' Why do you sit alone while all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make known to them the statutes and instructions of God. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You will surely wear yourself out, both you and these people with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. So Moses listened to his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men from all Israel and appointed them as heads over the people, as officers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens.
1: before uh, i proceed to the second scripture reading i thought i'd give a little summary of uh, the messages that we had on moses this is the third in the series on moses we have and and uh, You know, each one of the episodes that we looked at had kind of a defining moment for Moses. Uh, When God called Moses from the burning bush as he was tending his father-in-law's flock, he said, I want you, Moses, to go to the Pharaoh and say to him, let my people go. And Moses said, no, I'm not qualified. I'm not eloquent. And the lesson that Moses learned uh, at that burning bush was that nobody is qualified to fulfill God's calling. The way we fulfill God's calling is God working his way through us. What God calls us to do, he enables us to do. And that's why those words that God left with Moses were so important. He said, I will be with you. Well, the second defining moment came... When Moses summoned up the courage to go to Pharaoh, as God had instructed him to do, Moses and his brother Aaron, they go to Pharaoh, again, obeying exactly what God asked of him, saying, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, who is this God that you are talking about that I should pay any attention to him? And the result is that the Pharaoh ends up piling on more work on the Israelite people in the building uh, projects that they were doing. And uh, he incurs the wrath of both Pharaoh and his own people. And the lesson learned there for Moses was that oftentimes when we are obedient to God, the result brings pushback and trouble. But it's in that trouble and amidst that strife that God works his purpose. So now we're coming to what we might call the third defining moment for Moses. And this comes after the people of Israel have been released you know, from Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, and they're having to deal with all of the harsh realities of that uh, rather austere existence as they are making their trek to the promised land. They have to contend not only with the elements in the desert, but there also are tribes and uh, bandits and lots of folks uh, causing trouble there for them while they are uh, in that place. And so beginning in verse 8 is a description of one of the battles that the Israelite people were having to fight. And uh, they were known as the Amalekites. Listen now to the word of God for us. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men for us and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill now whenever Moses held up his hand Israel prevailed and whenever he lowered his hand Amalek prevailed but Moses' hands grew weary and heavy so they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it Aaron and her held up his hands, one on either side, so that his hands were steady until the sun set. And Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the sword. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight our Lord our Rock and our Redeemer Amen They held up His hands Those are the words that the Bible conveys to us and the picture that that the Bible paints for us showing Moses on the mountain, flanked by two helpers, Aaron and Hur. They come to his aid when he grew tired. That's the picture we see here. Now, notice that Moses is holding a staff, and that staff had significance in the unfolding drama. Uh, for the deliverance of God's people. You may recall that Moses took the staff with him when he went to confront Pharaoh and demanded that he release God's people from slavery. And by that way of that staff, he performed signs and wonders in the presence of Pharaoh and his court. And that staff accompanied him as the Israelites as after they were released and they were into the wilderness, into the desert. Uh, He had that staff in his hand. And then there is that scene where Moses opened his arms at the Red Sea as the Israelites had their backs against the the sea and and the Pharaoh was sending his chariots after them to destroy them. And Moses took his staff and he parted the waters of the Red Sea. And after after the Israelite people passed on dry land to the other side, he then closed his arms and the waters came crashing in On the Egyptians. And then, as the people were camped out at this place called Raphidim, there was no water for them to drink, and they start to complain to Moses Was it because there weren't enough graves back there in Egypt that we're going to have to die out here in this desert place? Why did you bring us to this place? And so, God instructed Moses to take in his hand his staff and to strike the rock at Horeb Moses did so and when he struck that rock water came gushing forth so this staff represented the power of God so when the Amalekites come to battle do battle with the Israelites in the desert that, that staff once more comes prominently into play Moses says to Joshua you know, the warrior in charge, tomorrow I will stand on top of that hill overlooking the battle that is going to take place with my staff in hand. And so the next day when the battle begins, we are told whenever Moses held up his hands, that is, holding the staff, the Israelites were able to prevail, and whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary His arms began to sag, and that staff dropped lower and lower as he no longer had the strength to keep it up. And that's when we see Aaron and Hur rushing to his aid. They place a rock beneath him so that he can sit down, and then Aaron stood on the side of Moses and Hur on the other side. They held up his hands so that they were steady. And they held them there until the sun set and the battle was done. And the Israelites were able to prevail. Now I think we can feel good about her and Aaron, their actions to come to the aid of Moses, their leader who was desperate for help. By helping him, by propping up his hands, the Israelites would win the battle. The staff remained raised, and the Israelites prevailed. And this is what we are called to do in the Christian life. When we see a brother or a sister in need, we are to come to their aid. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul would say in Galatians, bear one another's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. In another in another letter Paul writes in Philippians, "Let each of you look not to your own needs, but to the needs of others." And Jesus himself would say in the gospel of Matthew, "In as often as you have come to the aid of the least of these, my brethren, you have come to my aid." Surely we should applaud their efforts for what they've done. A good scene. But I'm trying to dig a little bit beneath the surface. And I wonder if Moses himself felt good about this. You know, I'm I'm wondering if, in fact, it was difficult for him to allow these two men to come to his aid. After all, he was the one that God appointed to lead God's people. It was his job to hold that staff and to do whatever it was to show God's power. And so as I, as I picture Moses standing on this mountain trying to hold up the staff and his arms are, are quivering with exhaustion and the heat of the battle is raging beneath him, he is determined to keep his post because this is what God told him to do. And maybe Moses, his mind, raced back to that encounter that he had at the burning bush When the voice of God said to him, you are the one that I have chosen to lead my people. I have appointed you to confront Pharaoh. You will be my spokesperson. And once Moses accepted, he said, once he said, yes, I'm God's chosen. I have taken on this monstrous weight onto my shoulders. And up to this point, and I will suck it up and I will do whatever it takes to hold this staff. But his arms Grew weary. I guess we really don't know what was going through the mind of Moses on that sweltery afternoon in the desert as the battle raged below in the valley that he was standing over. But I think we do know, do know something of the struggle of accepting help from others. There is something true to the mark of Moses standing there wanting to hold that staff all by himself. And We can see a little bit of ourselves in that. I mean, that's the kind of tradition that we have inherited. We tend to admire that person who pulls oneself up by his or her bootstraps. We admire, applaud the rugged individualist, the one who carves out his own destiny and doesn't need the assistance of others. I heard the story about a woman, you know, she was in, in a uh, shopping mall grocery store, actually. And she had her three-year-old daughter with her. And this three-year-old daughter, as as the mother is uh, perusing the shelves, she sits down on the floor and she starts to slap the, the tile on the floor. And somebody walked by and stepped right on the little girl's hand. And she lets out a scream and she starts to cry. And the mother picks her up and says, don't cry in front of anybody here. Don't show them, she's saying, your weakness. Don't cry where people can see you, even with this little girl with her throbbing hand that was injured. It seems that we all pay a price to try to forge through this life with that kind of mindset. And perhaps it would do us well to see the rugged individualist is often the ragged individualist. You know, ask the man who started his construction company, his business, in his early 20s, and he scrimped and he saved so that he could purchase the equipment that he needed. And as the years went by, his business grew, and he hired more employees until he became a viable company that was respected by many people. He was known to being a, for being a no-nonsense kind of boss. And if you want to excel, follow this man's example. And yet, as his time drew to a close when it, he was to retire... He said this, after two heart attacks, three ulcers, and a constant battle with high blood pressure, not to mention my divorce and a son who wants nothing to do with me, I wish that I had delegated more work to others. I wish I could have made more friends. I wish I could have my family back. You know, as a pastor, I've heard many variations of that same kind of story. You know, if you insist on carrying the loads of life on your own, it will cost you. And that's why this scene in the desert, with Aaron and her propping up his drooping arms, becomes another defining moment for Moses. Yes, Moses, you are the one God has chosen to lead God's people. It is a burden for you to carry. You cannot Carry it yourself. You know, this in essence is what we hear Moses' father-in-law say to him in just a couple chapters later, in chapter 18 that we heard a moment ago. And there Moses is uh, surrounded by the people who are coming to him for guidance. And, and Moses was the one who was also the judge uh, uh, of deciding the fate of various people and their punishments and so forth. And he's doing this all alone. And we see these people pressing in on him all the way until evening. And Moses' father-in-law says, you can't do this, Moses, on your own. You will wear yourself out. And so his counsel to Moses is this. Find other able-bodied men who are trustworthy. Allow them to sit as judges among the people. Let them bear the burden with you. And Moses listened. Just as he had to allow Aaron and her to hold up his arms, his hands, Moses allowed other able-bodied people to make critical decisions. And I can see it involving the same kind of, you know, conflictedness with him. Because delegating this authority, in order to do this, he has to relinquish power and control. I think we all have to admit That's a dynamic that we all have to deal with. Maybe we don't want the help of others because we don't want to let go of being the one in control. You're not the only one qualified, Moses. God made other people capable as well. You see, we are called to bear one another's burdens, as the Bible says, yet we are also called to share those burdens. There cannot be a bearing if there is no sharing of the burden. I was involved with a Ministerium group, and uh, you know we would gather together various ministers of churches once a month, and we would share ideas. And it was also a good fellowship time among clergy, in which we would be able to share with each other some of the challenges that we were having as uh, pastors. And but I just remember this one pastor. All he wanted to do was tell us all about how great his church was doing. Uh, and the good time that he was having there. And so I remember walking out from a meeting with him. We were going to the parking lot, and I just said, well, I'm glad to see so many good things are happening at your church, and you don't have some of the problems that we have been having as uh, pastors. And he says, oh, I have problems, but I'm not about to share those with you. And I thought, what a shame, you know, because the, the very thing that I thought was so beneficial for me personally as a pastor to be able to have other colleagues in ministry to share things with he was not willing to do. Because you see, to do this is to make yourself vulnerable. And when you make yourself vulnerable, you're opening yourself up to be hurt. When we share a burden, inevitably it means opening ourselves to others. It means taking a risk. Something else to consider is that An act to bear a burden can, in fact, be an act of reconciliation. You remember how Moses was having all kinds of insults hurled at him because of all the things that were going wrong as God was delivering the people out of Israel and as they were confronting all of these, um, you know, struggling events as they were in the desert. And Moses would cry out to God, what shall I do with these people? They're ready to stone me, even though I've done my part, God. They still will not be faithful. And I believe and I guess that means it's you and I versus them. The Bible says that the people quarreled and tested the Lord and Moses. And then this battle begins with the Amalekites. Moses is standing there on the mountain with all the strength he can muster, and he holds that staff up in the air, and when he becomes too weak, Aaron and Hur come to his side, Yes, Moses, you're right. We have not been faithful. We have not trusted you. We have not trusted the Lord who brought us out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So here, accept our help. And that's when he allows them to lay their hands upon him, his hands, to lift him up. You see, reconciliation can only happen if two parties... Want it to happen. A gesture of goodwill must be recept- reciprocated with acceptance, a giving and receiving. Moses had to be willing to set aside his resentments and his anger to receive that help. That aid was a gesture to reconcile with Moses. And so, I believe there are two kinds of people here today. And it could be that God is calling you to play the role of Aaron and her and to come to the aid of that person who's been knocked sideways for whatever reason or because they've hurt you deeply or they're just in duress. Maybe they were wrong and you were right or you were wrong and they were right. But it's time to get over it because they need your help. And it could be that you're standing... In the place of Moses. He said, I know I'm right. And they are wrong. But they're reaching out to me. So what should I do? I'll let them lift my hands. Amen. Mm -hmm. And now to him who by the power at work within us is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think. To him be the power, power and the glory now and forever. Amen and amen.